The Chaser Report is recorded on Gadigal land. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello and welcome to The Chaser Report with Dom and Charles. And Dom, very big news uh, coming out of Canberra this week. Yes, Charles, I I hear that there are some people in the Australian Public Service who it's just possible, Mm. just possible, may not have entirely remained Mm. removed from the political process. What are you talking about, Dom? Uh, It seems impossible to believe. But look, Greens Senator Nick McKim, who's their Immigration and Citizenship spokesperson, has called for the Home Affairs Secretary Mike Pizzullo to resign or be sacked. He says that Pizzullo must resign. Mm. or be sacked. Those are the only options available. Why on earth? Well, welcome aboard, Senator. Uh, hey, folks. Thanks for having me. Now, what exactly has Mike Pizzullo done? Like, what, what's he alleged to have done? Well, I mean, it's really a question of how long have you got, but... Um, <laughs> About so 20 there's, minutes. There's a, lot of, there, there's a lot of egregious historical context to this, which I'd be very, very happy to go into, but, but the most recent problems that Mr Pizzullo is facing is that a whole raft of text messages that he sent to a guy called Scott Briggs, who's a very close friend and associate with former Prime Minister Scott Morrison, uh, and in those text messages, uh, what was exposed was rampant attempts to influence and interfere in the political process, including trying to get right-wingers appointed to be his minister and uh, also really insulting and demeaning commentary around the Senate estimates process. So just long story short, he's failed to respect the boundaries between being a public servant and being a politician on one hand and also failed to uphold the principles of uh, accountability and responsibility, which he's actually uh, required to under the Public Service Code of Conduct. Let's find out more after this. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Can I just check before we go any further, Senator? So I just, I just need to be clear when we're talking about any government job. Mm. Was Scott Morrison also serving as the Secretary for Home Affairs at the point when this all went down? And I think this might be a trick question, so just just uh, think about it, Nick. It, I will think very carefully and um, point out the difference between being Secretary and being a Minister. Mm. But these text messages were over a significant period of time, including right. during the leadership spill when Scott Morrison actually knocked off Malcolm Turnbull and became Prime Minister. So so there were people in various roles at various times, and it was actually uh, during and immediately after that leadership bill when Scott Morrison became Prime Minister that Mr Pizzullo was attempting to ensure that he got uh, a right winger, as he described it in the text messages, back into the role of uh, Minister for Home Affairs, and he was really, really boosting Peter Duff to come back into that role. So basically what you've got is a public servant who's supposed to be completely pure and above politics and just a servant for the interests of the people, literally doing sort of party politics and backroom backstabbing and on, I'm, I'm, on, as in, while he's still got the job of being a public servant. I mean, I'm no expert in the public mm. service and, and due process, but I would imagine that it's not conventional for senior public servants to pick their own minister, to pick, to pick <laughs> their own boss. I mean, no, in, in your line of work in the Greens Party, you choose... Actually, no, you don't. The members choose your leader. You don't even get to choose your leader. In other parties, they do. But uh, public servants don't get to do it. Look, no, public servants don't. And look, this is not just about 
um, you know, Westminster tradition. This is actually about what is in the Public Service Code of Conduct. And he's required, all public servants are mm. actually required by that Code of Conduct, firstly, to be apolitical. And clearly, uh, Mr. Bazzolo has, has crossed that line. And secondly, as I said, they're required to, um, to pay respect to the principles of things like uh, accountability and responsibility. Mm. And he's abjectly failed to do that. I mean, look, my view is very simple, guys. Um, if, if Michael Bazzolo wants to be a politician, he should put his hand up, become a candidate, uh, get himself elected parliament like the rest of us have, and then he can play in the sand pit, the political sand pit, and he can play as hard as he likes. But he's a public servant, not a politician, mm. and he should respect the boundaries that exist when the public service and politics. And I can honestly tell you, I mean, I've been in politics a long time, over 20 years uh, in Tasmanian parliament, in the Senate. I've been a minister in Tasmania, so I've actually sat on both sides of the estimates table, both opposed to departmental secretaries and next to departmental secretaries. And he is, Mr. Bazzullo, is the most massive outlier in terms of the way that he behaves at uh, at the estimates table. It's it's actually quite shocking. But this is this goes now to what he actually believes, though, doesn't it? Because what has come clear in those text messages is that he has become increasingly frustrated with parliamentary democracy. Like there's these text messages where he basically says, "Look." Parliament, the parliamentary system's come to a bit of a standstill. It's gridlocked. What we need to do is we need to seize control of the government through bureaucratic means, doesn't he? Well, he certainly has been someone who's been running agenda an agenda for a long period of time. And I, I think his agenda is, you know, extremely dangerous to democracy and extremely dangerous to some of the fundamental rights and freedoms that Australians have fought and died to protect and enhance over over many, many decades. Um, like what? He's, he's a massive... Uh, what's that, sorry? Like what? Like what, what sort of things? Oh, well, been? like, for example, I mean, he's a massive booster of the surveillance state. He's a massive booster booster of the military industrial complex and the social the security and industrial complex that exists in Australia. He's he's repeatedly driven his ministers to bring in uh, laws into the parliament that erode those rights and freedoms by um, by creating more powers for our security agencies and for the surveillance apparatus that exists in Australia. Um, and and you know we're the only liberal democracy in the world that doesn't have a charter or a bill of rights that mm. actually protects those fundamental rights and freedoms and he really does his best to exploit that massive gap in our legislative framework. This is extraordinary. This means that at last, after so many years of talking about it, this actually is the deep state. Yes. We finally <laughs> found the it. deep state. We did it. How extraordinary. <laughs> so, but let, let's talk more about that though, because I understand he wanted to introduce um, a system of, of D-notices as they're known in other jurisdictions, I think in the UK. And I believe he had a person in mind who might be given the power to um, basically stop the media investigating things. It might have been, I don't know, the Home Affairs Secretary who had that uh, that power. Is that what he was proposing? Well, I haven't seen the detail of what he's posing, but I have seen the reporting of those text messages. And to the best of my knowledge, you know, that's an accurate statement that, mm. that he did want to introduce a, a regime that would have made it easier for him or, you know, for him by a by his minister to um, to censor the media, and yeah, you know, that's one of the hallmarks of, of fascist states over many years. And 
you know, I have called him a fascist in uh, in Senate estimates, and you know, I, I've seen. I mm. went to Manus Island five times. I saw the you know the hu- human catastrophe that was offshore detention, and you know the the lives that that were destroyed by that regime that he oversaw, and that he was an enthusiastic booster of. Mm. And we got but, to we're that, talking. We? We're mm. talking about jailing journalists, basically. Like that that was the law that he was pushing. He was pushing for these laws that would, and like that does sound bad. I admit there are. Journalists, but, I wouldn't mind jailing. Yes, I'm going to be honest. Exactly. Just, just for a bit. Just, like, just not not forever. Yeah. Not throwing away the key. No, exactly. Not not to sort of the detriment of democracy, but just to sort of mean you don't have to listen to them on the radio. Yes. And stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know the, what I mean. Like, I'm sure there's some people in Canberra who'd like to jail quite a lot of journalists till after, say, the voice referendum. But yeah. But look, this is by the by side because what the like, you know the guests on the insiders jail for six months. <laughs> you know that sort of thing. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Um, no. I reckon actually. <laughs> To be honest, I reckon there's a few ministers that wouldn't mind uh, you two folks seeing the inside of a jail cell for a little while and some uh, of your colleagues over I mean, some of the things you've done over the years. They can try, the but they always fail. Yeah, <laughs> except for that one time when I videoed someone streaking and had 45 minutes behind bars. We're not particularly keen to repeat that experience, but it, look, it, it is worth not losing sight of what the Home Affairs Department does because as much as we talk about um, the sort of impropriety of all the allegations to do with the relationships with those uh, in power, trying to pick your minister, trying to, you know, have sweet, cosy deals to get things done with members of the group that supposedly are the bosses of our public servants, our politicians. The fact that it's the Home Affairs Department does cast a certain shadow over this, doesn't it? Because of what the Home Affairs Department has been accused of doing over the years. And we've just seen uh, in the UK election campaign, the Home Secretary there, Sir Braverman, um, basically saying that refugee law should be thrown aside when it comes to asylum seekers arriving by boat, that they shouldn't even be considered refugees, that that shouldn't be allowed anymore. And these are ideas that have been played out in Australian politics for decades now that have inspired what's going on in the UK. What have you seen in the Home Affairs Department up close that makes you worry about this whole regime? Well, um, exactly right, Dom, and a couple of things there. Firstly, you know, our refugee policy is one of the most shameful exports that this country has ever sent overseas and there's no doubt that what's going on in the UK now is effectively a carbon copy of uh, what happened in Australia even down to the politics behind it and the even rhetoric the slogan stop the boats uh, behind it mm. the demon yeah the demonization of innocent people and the the, the brutalization of uh, of innocent people and the and the rush on trampling over over their human rights. But in terms of the Home Affairs Department here, I mean, let's not forget it was actually a bizarre creation. He argued strongly for the creation of the Department of Home Affairs, and it was a consolidation of his power mm. as a senior bureaucrat. And unfortunately, um, you know, it was adopted by, um, you know, Mr Dutton and Mr Morrison and became government policy when they were in government. And then um, a couple of, you know, egregious blunders by um, by Prime Minister Albanese when he came to office. The first was not busting up the Department of Home Affairs and, um, and moving back into a structure far more akin to what existed in the public service before the department was created. But secondly, I have no idea why Labor left Michael Pizzullo in charge of the Department of Home Affairs. They should have moved him on or got rid of him when they came in power. That was their opportunity. Uh, and now um, the chickens are coming home to roost. Mm. Do you think he's been texting Labor? Oh, look, <laughs> Claire no O'Neill? Um, are we going to get the, no all idea. the texts? Well, I haven't had any. I'm a bit disappointed. Like, you know, like I haven't had any. I, I, I will uh, confess to having a couple of um, water cooler conversations with Mr Pizzullo uh, during breaks in um, Senate estimates, but I can confirm, you know, I know this will be big 
big news, but I can confirm that the topics of those conversations were Tolkien and Lord of the Rings because wow. he actually gave a well, he gave a speech. He's actually he's given a number of speeches. His famous or infamous Drums of War speech, where he you know nearly declared war on China there by mistake in a message to his um, to his staff. We've had what I call the Pizzolo Panopticon speech, where he argued to an international conference that you know security agencies needed absolute. Um, knowledge of every single bit of data that ever exists on anyone anywhere in the world so they could keep us all safe. But um, the speech, my my favourite or least favourite speech was his Hobbit speech where he basically uh, developed a thesis that um, we're all these innocent hobbits living in paradise and we need, you know, heroes like um, like Mr Pizzolo to keep us all safe. And I actually asked him about that in a um, Senate estimates because uh, the point I was making is that at the end of Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit actually went back to the Shire, for anyone who's read it, and sorry if you haven't, but the Hobbits went back to the Shire where they originally came from after their their heroic um, throwing of the the ring into the uh, into the chasm, and they went back and they took care of their own problems there, and they didn't need the pistolos of the world to well, um, to help them. Uh, so yeah, no, he um, he came up and asked me if I was a fan of Tolkien. I said I was, and <laughs> he, said, he said he was too. Oh, the criticism stings, sir, but um, because he expressed it in the form of, of Lord of the Rings. Do you see him as Sauron or more of a Saruman figure? Oh, I see him oh, as Sauron. Uh, he's oh. definitely over, overseeing Mordor there in home. Oh goodness, because it's Sauron. <laughs> Man who ends up in the shy. Anyway, look, a, a, a tad nerdy there. Um, so, I think everyone who was listening to the podcast just to wanted to catch up with the latest in Australian politics just skipped forward <laughs> a, few, a few points. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Chaser Report. News you know you can't trust. The other thing that I read was that he was the man who was behind. So after Home Affairs got set up and he'd consolidated his power and had this sort of super ministry that he was all in charge of, he then, um, remember those black uniforms that they rolled out oh, yeah. as the official uh, uniform. Yeah. Like it was a sort of pseudo police. Fo- it's like quite mil- scary. Like when you go yeah. through immigration, you see all these sort of black shirts. Black shirts. Mm. Yeah, the black shirts. And apparently that was his idea. Like, what the? Like, well, it, would, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise he? me if it was his idea. Um, and, yes, that's the uh, the ABF, the Australian Border Force, which were oh, sort that's of created right. – Yes. Yeah, so they were they were created um, yeah as an amalgamation of customs and a few other uh, a few other functions. But interestingly, um, it came to light that they had spent more in a particular year on uh, medals and insignia than the Australian Defence Force had. So they love a good medal in there. I can assure you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking at the outfits yeah. here. They they are quite militaristic. They've got the tabs on the shoulders. Uh, it's all black with um sort of gold writing. Mm. Yeah. And so on. So yeah, well, you wouldn't want to, be, want to be on the wrong end of that. So, so and just to to finish up, um, I, I've got a little theory, right? So we've established that this Pizzullo guy, he was mates with Scott Briggs, who is this liberal power broker, and kept on sort of essentially politicking around that. He then starts pushing for you know like getting around parliamentary democracy, and one of the messages he sends was that he he believed that actually. All power should consolidate around sort of sort of five or six ministers, right? And and the way to actually create an effective government was to sort of cut the parliament out of the system and just have you know five ministers who can just are, are empowered to 
do everything and a gang of five. A gang of five. Mm. Now, and and we've also established that he and Morrison were quite close, and you know Morrison speaks very highly to this day of Michael Bazzullo. Now, is it a coincidence? That Scott Morrison, during the pandemic, made himself about five or six ministers. Like, I'm just saying, <laughs> is, is that a coincidence now, or is that a well, conspiracy? Then, uh, well, look, these are the questions, Charles. I just, honestly, I'm going to say something politicians really say. I actually don't know the answer to that, but it's <laughs> an absolute cracker of a theory. Well done. Well, you, next time you're in Senate Estimates, you should ask Michael that yourself. I just want to read out this quote from the Herald because it's quite extraordinary. So Pizzolo goes, you need a right-winger in there. People smugglers will be watching. Briggs says, agree. Please feed that in. Will do. Any suggestion of a moderate going in would be potentially lethal, viz... OSB, which is Operation Sovereign Borders. Mm. So it's like it's a drive-through menu of ministers yes. at this point. Yes. Uh, which well, really... look, ex- yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, well, he wants to talk about lethality. Let's talk about all the people that died in, uh, in offshore detention. Um, and I remember well um, accusing uh, Mr. Pasullo of overseeing a regime of torture, which I genuinely believe that he did in, in terms of uh, what happened on Manus Island and Maru, because, you know, mm-hmm. innocent people were deliberately harmed in order to coerce them to, to take a particular action. It's, it's basically um, torture 101. And I remember laughing at that and, and um, comparing um, that torture to, to the torture that he felt appearing before Senate estimates. I mean, the guy is... Um, the guy is just um, playing well outside the sandpit that he should be staying in. And, you know, he's been stood down, and rightly so, while the investigation's underway. And, and to be honest, I think there's no coming back here for him. And my prediction is that he will not he will not remain as Secretary for the Home Affairs. I mean, you talk about people suffering, Nick, but just re- remember that he himself is suffering. You know, he's been stood aside um, on full pay which is only $924,000, you know, how is he going to make ends meet? Like, he's only on $924,000 a year. He probably, there's, he could yeah. read the Cimmerillion. He probably hasn't had time to read that yet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, you've got to think of his suffering as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Why don't someone think of the suspended public servants on full pay? <laughs> on full pay. But um, <laughs> that's right. I guess the question is, how on earth did we get the text messages? That's the, yeah, yeah, at yes, the point that's, where you're sending a text message saying, we, we need a right-winger, please organise yeah, this for me. Yeah. I mean, there are two things you might Let's think. start jailing journalists. Yeah. You know, like. Thing one is, some people might ask themselves, hang on, is this going a bit too far mm. as, a, as a public servant requesting a minister? And the other thing would be, I don't want anyone to see these text mes- messages because it'll be quite bad for my career. I'm fascinated to know how this it's came had, out. How did it all come out? Look, I'm actually not sure how it all came out, but the, the journalists who've reported it over the last couple of days have said it came, you know, they obtained the text messages mm. through lawful means. Uh, so amazing. You know, I'll take them I think they need a bit of a D notice. Yeah, what, what we need, need is... a D notice to shut that down. We need a more powerful uh, <laughs> government body. We might call it, I don't know, Home Affairs. <laughs> yeah. It's able to seize text messages. Yes. And delete them because this is terrible for national security. No, this makes yes. us look like like fascist idiots. Yes. So if we need to become more like actual fascist idiots to stop this. Yes. Got to nip it in the bud. Yes. Now, f- <laughs> final question, really, just for you as a, as, as a Green senator, having um, sort of look, looking at, at these things, you've been in the government 
uh, before, as you say, in Tasmania. Should the Greens not become a party of government if you want to do stuff about this? Because mm. it's all it's yes. it's great to sit on the cross benches and, and have these inquiries. Um, and the Greens do a lot and, in, and, in this area. And talk about Tolkien with senior public servants. But wouldn't so, it be more fun being the one getting the text messages? Is what I'm asking. Well, look, um, all I can say is we're working on it, Tom, and uh, <laughs> we're giving it the best shot we can. It is a long term project, that one. Um, but you know, we're we're trending in the right direction, and um, you know, I, I, I've often said this, but I genuinely believe that in my lifetime we'll see uh, a green government in Australia, and I, you know, I hope that's the case. And if we do, uh, we won't be surveilling your text messages. I can assure you of that. And one of the first things we mm. do is bust up the Department of Home Affairs if it still exists and um, start to dismantle some of the surveillance apparatus in this country. Which is exactly what you would say if you were planning on doing the exact opposite. <laughs> Yeah, we won't read yeah, you your text me. messages. You got me. I, I am the deep state. <laughs> Haven't we seen it in recent times that when you're on, on, not in government, you're yeah. very pro-transparency, oh, yeah, and then the right. moment yeah. the moment you get in on those those lovely treasury yeah. benches, suddenly everything's a matter of national security. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, look, it's interesting to see how that long-term project goes. Maybe you could uh, – I mean, teal is well, almost green. Is, you could almost join with the teal, isn't, couldn't you? Isn't the, way, isn't the way you're doing it, the Greens are doing, is door knocking? Have you been door knocking in the last few weeks? Like, like how often do you go door knocking, Nick? Uh, no, I haven't been door knocking in the last few weeks, but I've been um, working with our door knockers in the well, last few weeks. What are you doing? We, we Get door- out there. If you want a government? We door, <laughs> we door knock. No, we door knock a lot, and it's a real privilege to, to rock up to someone's front door and give it a tap. And, you know, to be clear, there are some people who make it um, very, you know, in the most forthright way that they're not interested in having a conversation. Mm. That's totally fair enough. But we have some yeah. great chats on the doors. And once you actually yeah. get into a meaningful conversation with someone, it's amazing, you know, how, how effective that is. So, yeah, we, is, um, is it mainly like just talking about Lord of the Rings? or That's what Frodo did. He, he yeah. went on foot. He loved going <laughs> on foot. Look, um, how many doors do you need to knock on, uh, do you think, to win the, to win the voice at this point? Uh, quite a few, I'd suggest. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Dom. Thanks, Charles. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Our gear is from – oh, and by the way, this has all been recorded. Um, oh, you, know, you are surveilling. the We're surveilling this <laughs> conversation. We're mm. surveilling this conversation. <laughs> Our gear is from Rob. We're part of the Iconoclast Network. Uh, catch you tomorrow. And we'll, we're going to publish your text to Bob Brown very, very shortly. <laughs> oh, ooh, juicy. oh, yeah. No, they're, they're juicy. I can assure you of that. <laughs> <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.